welcome to another episode of the Bob Hoover Fitness Podcast. Welcome back. We have another Q&A for you guys today. Number one, you guys have been mentioning that you really, really like these Q&As. And number two, I really enjoy doing these Q&As as well. So we're going to keep doing them. And you guys ask some amazing, amazing questions. And I just want to first off start by saying thank you for asking all these questions. Uh, number one, they're amazing. Number two, I really, really appreciate the um, the feedback and you guys uh, asking these questions. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for that. Now, without further ado, we're just going to kind of dive right in today. Uh, just kind of going over these questions, not really prepared I kind of briefly glanced over them and I'm like, you know what? We're going to kind of just go in, we're going to go in uh, cold today. We're not going to go in hot. We're going to go in cold and answer these questions right off the tip of my mind. And um, we'll see how it goes because that's not really always the best thing. That's not my, how my mind works best, but we're going to rock and roll with it. So without further ado, first question from my boy David. Are you ready to get taken to school in basketball? You know what's funny? I love, uh, I always love when people, you know, they, they love to talk shit over, uh, you, know, you know, the internet and, uh, you know, they can't back it up. They can't back it up, you know, before they, they even, they like to talk to talk, but they can't walk to walk. Um, you know, in all seriousness though, um, David's my dude. And um, he's a lot taller than me, so it, it's gonna it, it's gonna be an interesting one on one game. But I was playing some basketball for the first time a few weeks ago, for the first time in three years, which is crazy to me, because I used to play basketball. Basketball is one of my sports I played. I played my growing up, played all throughout high school, even outside of high school. Uh, me and my buddies we played in rec leagues every year. So playing basketball for the first time in a few years was just weird to me. Um, the first few shots felt weird, but my shot came back quicker than I thought it was, or I should say than I thought it would. I was playing outside on double rimmed hoops. And if you know anything about basketball hoops, you know, double rimmed hoops absolutely are dog shit. Um, it, they actually can make you better though, because you have to be that much more accurate because with the double rimmed hoop, you don't get those lucky bounces or those nice rolls that you do on a normal rim. Um, so when you hit a double rim, it's like double the bounce. So you're likely to, you know, if it hits the rim, it's going to bounce off somewhere. Um, so it kind of forces you to have to be a little more accurate. So there's a benefit to that, but when you don't really play that much and, um, you took some time off, it can obviously get pretty frustrating. Um, anyways, shooting the ball actually went pretty well, but man, I was just talking to my um, buddy's dad today in the gym. And we were talking just just about everything um, in life and stuff. And we are talking about basketball a little bit. And I was like, dude, like I'm 26 right now. And I've been very fortunate enough to never have gotten injured. Knock on wood. I've been very healthy my whole life. And I've always been very athletic. And picking up a basketball a few weeks ago and running around shooting it for the first time in a few years was the first time I really felt like age was starting to be a factor because I almost felt like I was going in slow motion. It was so weird, like dribbling the ball, um, just running around. Like I obviously lost, I don't know necessarily know if like I lost a step. I'm sure I did, but 
I definitely lost the skill of it. Like my body just doesn't know and, and isn't doesn't have like the tools right now it needs to dribble a basketball really quickly and move side to side and um, pivot here and go there super quick. So um, super interesting stuff. But David, my man, we're about to see who wins this battle uh, when I come back from vacation. And um, from there, I'll keep you guys updated. Moving on to question number two. How to determine, for my man Brad, um, how to determine if you should build muscle or lose fat? This is a this is a great question, and there's really no right or wrong answer here. Um, you know, it's going to depend on, on a few things. If you're, first and foremost, let's kind of break it down. Like, let's just say like you're new to lifting. Like, should you focus on building muscle first or losing body fat? Well, it depends. Like if you have a lot of weight to lose, you're going to want to probably lean more towards losing body fat first. You know, you don't have to lose all of your weight like to get to your goal weight, but to lose a little bit of body fat, number one, just to improve your health. Number two, just to build some momentum. See that weight go down, see those inches go down, and you'll probably start to feel a lot better. Um, but also not to mention like you are going to build some muscle and some strength like just from that just from being a newbie um, and also like you're, you're going to have some extra energy in your body from the extra, extra body fat to put towards building muscle. So, you know, in my opinion, if you have if you're new and you have a lot of weight to lose or even if you are experienced and maybe you have some weight to lose, uh, maybe you took some time off like starting off in a deficit might not be a bad idea. Because again, you might recomp, like you're gonna lose body fat and build muscle in that setting. So um, that's number one. If you're kind of like in a skinny fat range, um, that's when I would definitely aim and lean more towards going into a surplus. Um, because a lot of times, even though you're quote unquote like skinny, if you don't have much muscle in your body, you might have a higher body fat percentage than most people. Like. That's one thing. It's like, yeah, you're, you're technically skinny, but the majority of your body fat or excuse me, the majority of your body weight comes from body fat, right? So um, putting on some muscle is going to number one, just help with um, just help with your body composition, uh, because the more muscle you have, that's going to help give you more structure to your body. It's going to help shape out your body. Uh, the more muscle you have, it's going to be healthier for you. Your health is going to improve. Uh, your body is going to be able to handle nutrients better. Your metabolism is going to increase. Um, so if you're like in that skinny fat range or even maybe you're just like a little bit above like, um, you know, you're just like a little bit overweight, honestly, like you can't go wrong either way. Like you could still like if you're skinny fat, I would definitely going to a ball but if you're like a little bit overweight like yeah could you cut down a few pounds absolutely but i would try to urge you and, and kind of nudge you towards going into a little bit of a bulk um because adding more muscle is only going to help things out right it's only going to again just for the reasons that i said before it's going to make staying lean easier long term like if we're thinking from this from a long-term perspective it's going to be much easier if you go on like a four to six month bulk um, gain a few pounds and then cut back from that that area because your your metabolism is going to be elevated. You're going to have more muscle in your body, so it's going to be it might be a little bit easier to lose some body fat 
um, from that new point versus if you just go from the beginning. But or, you know, you could just cut down a little bit from there. Um, if you have like, let's just say you have like 10 to 20 pounds of fat to lose, you could cut down and then go from ball from there. Like there's really no right or wrong answer. It's really what you want. But that's what I would recommend. Um, if you have been dieting for a long time and you're either number one you've been dieting for a long time and you've lost a lot of weight and you're starting to think about switching it up because you're bored with a deficit that might be a time to build some muscle obviously if you reached your goal body weight that's 100 percent a time to build muscle um Obviously, if you just finished a surplus uh, or maybe you didn't even really intentionally go into a surplus, maybe it since it's a summer, you know, you kind of like let loose a little bit, which is okay. Um, because remember, there's going to be different seasons where you're more strict and more and not as strict. Um, maybe you gained a few, like for instance, like we're talking about maintenance. Maybe you're at the high end of your maintenance. So for example, if my maintenance is 150 to 170 pounds, and just just for an example, um, maybe towards summer, I started around like 155. And then towards the end of summer, I ended around like 165 or 170. Okay, that to me, it's like, all right, well, I might need to cut down a little bit now. I'm not going to go into a bulk because I'm already heavy for the way I like it. So I might go cut down. So um, those would be the way that I would determine if um, you should build muscle or lose fat. Uh, basically in the, if we're talking about extremes, if you're extremely overweight, definitely loosen body fat first. If you're skinny slash skinny fat, highly, highly recommend building some muscle. Um, and then if you're kind of in the middle, it's honestly, you can go either way. You know, I would aim towards building muscle first and then cutting just because you could literally change your whole body composition in a year by doing that. Um, but there's also nothing wrong with, um, there's also nothing wrong with going into a mini cut slash short deficit, reaching your body weight and bulking from there. So that's what I would say uh, to that question. Um, let me pull this back up. Okay. So the third question, uh, from hiking dog mom, um, which I know who this is. She's amazing. Not going to say her name, but just an absolute beast crushing it. Uh, how to get a full serving of veggies and proteins in your day when you're busy working. This is a great question because I'm sure a lot of you can agree that it can be hard. We all have busy, busy schedules. So the first thing I would say to this, the first thing that comes to my mind is plan, 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 plan it out. Make sure you have a plan because especially with a busy schedule, you're not going to have time. And I want to say like the bandwidth to make decisions on the spot, right? Because you have a lot going on in your everyday life. So when it comes to food, you might be stressed. You might not be thinking clearly. Something else might be going on. You're going to revert back more towards like uh, your emotions versus being logical. 
So you might pick the easy route for food. You might um, pick the food that tastes good. So number one is going to be just make sure you're planning out what you eat. And again, that could be meal prepping. That could be just planning out what times you're going to eat and what you're going to eat there. Because when you have a plan, you are setting yourself up for success. You are most likely then going to stay on track because you already know when you're going to eat, how much you're going to eat, what you're going to eat, right? So number one, plan it out. I see this all the time. And this is one of the biggest things that really like the, the clients who plan things out are the ones who are most successful. The clients who just go from their day to day lives kind of meal to meal and don't really follow the same routine. One day they might eat breakfast. The next day they might not eat breakfast. One day they eat lunch at 12. The next day they eat lunch at three. The next day they skip lunch. The ones who stick to a regimented schedule and plan things out are the ones that are most successful. So number one, especially when you're busy, but even if you're not busy, like it's just good to plan out your day the night before that morning of maybe during the, maybe the week you kind of look out and plan and say like, okay, number one, what are my favorite veggies? Okay. Number two, what are my favorite proteins? Make a list of what you enjoy, right? Then go to the store and actually buy those proteins and veggies for that week. Okay. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, some frozen vegetables. Maybe it is, I don't know why I can't think of any veggies off the top of my head. Um, spinach, maybe it is, um, you know, just like a salad, right? Something super easy. And then for proteins, same thing. Maybe it's eggs, egg whites, maybe it's chicken, maybe it's beef, maybe it's beef jerky, maybe it's Greek yogurt. There's a million ways to do it. But number one, plan out your top three to five favorite veggies or proteins. And then what I would say from there is look at your schedule. Look at your schedule. Where can you include these proteins and veggies into your diet? And actually plan it out when you have time. Because that way, you're purposefully, consciously planning out your diet for that day. So you can pick and choose. Okay, I'm going to have 120 grams of protein today. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have eggs and egg whites for breakfast. I'm going to have a protein shake for a snack. I'm going to have chicken for lunch. I'm going to have this for dinner. That way you can see it and you're already planning it out versus when that day just comes up. If you don't have it planned out, you're just kind of like, oh my God, I'm in a huge rush. I'm, I'm just going to pick the easiest option and then you don't get the protein and then you don't cook the food. And then by the end of the day, you barely have any protein in your diet. Plan it out. So take those veggies and proteins. What are you going to eat? When you're going to eat them? what meals you're going to eat them, do some research, right? So like, you know, like find some breakfast ideas that are easy protein meals. Like literally my breakfast, the way I get proteins and veggies, like I try to have a protein and veggie every meal, um, for sure a protein every meal, but I try to have a protein and veggie every meal. And I'll just give you three quick things that I, that came to mind right now. Super simple. Number one, um, egg whites, eggs, and spinach in the morning. I got my protein through my egg and egg whites, and I have my veggie through my spinach for lunch. Okay, I'm gonna have chicken with a salad. My salad, you know, I'll throw some cucumbers on there. I'll throw some tomatoes on there, obviously some lettuce, boom, that's my veggies. Uh, my chicken is my protein. I'll have a midday snack, 
So maybe maybe that's like Greek yogurt or maybe that's a protein shake. Boom, a bunch of protein there. Um, maybe I'll throw some berries in there as well. Boom, fruit. Um, and then for dinner, maybe I'll have some like, um, maybe I'll have some chicken, broccoli, and rice. And again, this is just an example of like how you can do it and how simple it is. And I'll just, literally I get the bags of microwavable rice. I microwave it, it takes 90 seconds. I have the chicken already prepared. It doesn't matter how you do it. You can bake it. You can put it in the crock pot. It's my favorite because it's just super simple. Um, you can buy it already pre-cooked. You can buy it frozen. You can buy a rotisserie chicken. Um, eat it with the, the rice. Buy some frozen vegetables. Same thing. Just super easy. They're already cut up. You just got to throw them in the microwave. And boom, you're good to go. That's how simple it is, really. Again, that's it really is that simple. I'm not saying it's easy, but notice what I just did. I just planned it out. And I just notice like what I do and th it's going to be the hardest at first and it's going to take some trial and error. You're not going to be perfect and that's okay. Like there's no judgment. You're not going to be perfect, but that's how you learn. You learn from trial and error. You learn from doing things that work. You learn from doing things that don't work. Maybe you notice, oh, I don't like eggs in the morning. Maybe you have something else. Maybe you have oatmeal with protein powder. Who knows? But it's going to take some trial and error. The beginning's always going to take the longest, but once you find a routine and some foods that work for you and you kind of work through it and it's going to require some work and that's just okay. Like that's part of the deal. Then, um, you are going to, it's going to only get easier over time. Great question. Um, next question. Zig to Zena, my friend, Gail, um, Gail is an absolute beast too. love Gail. Um, Okay, so when is the baby due? So from the last podcast, and if you guys follow me on socials, um, don't post too much about it, uh, but my wife is pregnant. We're having a baby. We just had our gender reveal the past weekend. I, at first, was expecting a girl. Um, I just thought it was going to be a girl. Kind of wanted a, a little baby girl. And then my mind kind of shifted. My wife and I both had a dream that it was going to be a boy, which is really weird. Um, and then I just started thinking it was going to be a boy. I just felt it in my gut and I was like, you know what? I actually kind of want a little boy. Um, obviously I would have been cool with, um, whatever, as long as the baby's healthy and doing well, but it was really exciting to see that it was going to be a boy. So he is going to be due around January 5th, which will be here before you know it. Um, names, honestly, we're kind of like back and forth. Like we were kind of. We don't really know yet. We're kind of like picking between like a few names right now and um, we'll kind of figure that out when the, you know, as the time comes over, because it seems like every single day we're like, yeah, we don't like that name. Like, what about this new one? So we have like a list and then we're kind of going through it and I'm sure some new names will come on. So we'll definitely uh, keep you guys updated when that happens. But January 5th is when he's due um, names. It's still kind of still kind of up in the air. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, next question from Amy. Fitbit, smartwatch, helpful, accurate, not accurate features. Um, okay, so there is, there's a lot of different features now that a lot of these smartwatches have, which are pretty crazy. Um, I'm going to tell you what I use personally. Um, I am not an expert at all in like any of this stuff, like the HRV. I'll be completely honest. I don't even fucking know what HR. I like, I know it's heart rate variability. 
I still don't fucking really understand what HRV is. Um, uh, but I can, I'll tell you like, uh, you know, what I use the watch for and what I personally use it for and what I think it's useful for me. Um, I know there's a lot of other benefits, but just to keep it super simple, because I know like a lot of them track your sleep, they track your slept, your stress and stuff now. And I just, I don't know shit about that. Um, but honestly, like the one thing that I look for obviously is going to be the steps. Okay. Number one, the steps, um, steps are going to be important because it's not necessarily the steps that matter per se. It's the, in it's the indirect, um, benefits of the steps. Okay. So like the whole point is just to move more throughout the day and just focusing on a step goal is almost a way to like objectively see that you're moving more throughout the day, right? Because they can add up over the day, right? Like if you just go on one walk a day, um, yeah, you're technically getting in a lot of steps, you're moving more, but it's not, I would argue that it's really not as good as like moving more throughout the day. Like if you get 10,000 steps in an hour and 30 minutes, I would argue that that's not as good as getting 10,000 steps in throughout the day. Like 2,500 here, 1,000 here, uh, 4,000 here. You know what I mean? So um, my point is steps are number one, just like a way to objectively see that you're moving more throughout the day, that you're staying active, which is super important for your health. Obviously, super important for um, your overall function, um, your quality of life. Um, obviously, if you get outside, it's really good. Uh, how you feel. There's just a lot of benefits for moving more. And obviously, um, another one too is like the more you move, the more calories you'll burn and the easier it'll be to lose weight and stay lean as well. So um, that's number one. Uh, number two I use uh, my Apple Watch personally for the heart rate. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't really know, um, this is really bad of me, but I don't really know like what a good resting heart rate is like for my age or body weight. Um, but I look at like my heart rate for when I'm doing cardio, uh, specifically like zone two. And I do look at it when I am doing my walking, for example, um, at the beginning of the year before I did cardio, um, it was a while since I did cardio, but my resting heart rate, or I don't even know if I was resting, my heart rate when I was doing just walking was like 102 beats per minute, which is pretty high in my opinion, um, I think. But I just looked at the trend and now it's like down to like the 80s. So um, that's progress to me. Like that shows that my heart doesn't have to work as hard to walk, which is obviously really good. Um, so I look at heart rate and two, like just to make sure I'm in zone two, like that 60 to 70% of my max heart rate, I make sure I stay in that zone. Um, so I, I look at heart rate and, uh, those are really, oh, and to tell time I use it to tell time. <laughs> so those are really, uh, Oh, and, and I use it as a stopwatch too. Um, especially when I used to train people in person, I man, my Apple Watch is my best friend because I used to use it as a stopwatch for rest periods and all that kind of stuff. But that's basically what I use it for. Um, you know, can it help with HRV? Um, can it help with resting heart rate, with sleep and stress? Yeah, absolutely. I just don't really know too much about that, so I don't. I'm not like. I don't feel comfortable talking about it because I really just don't know shit about that. 
um, if we're being honest. Uh, what I don't think it's accurate for is going to be your uh, calories burned, obviously. I think those are just way off. Um, you know, there's actually been research to show that some trackers, uh, and I'll, this wasn't the majority, but like that they had one tracker that was upwards of 90% inaccurate, which is pretty fucking insane. Um, so yeah, I, I don't go off calories burned um, at all. I just use it for steps. I track my heart rate when I'm doing cardio. I do look at the trend of my heart rate um, as well, like when it's resting or when I'm walking and see if that's going down. Um, but, and obviously to tell time too, but that's what I basically use it for. Okay, next question. Will going in a bigger deficit for a week help get the scale to move quicker? Good idea or not? Uh, I think the key here uh, to this question is that the first thing that, that comes to mind is um, why does that matter? Um, why? Why does the scale matter so much, right? Number one, um, if we're looking at this from a long-term point of view, like you're not going to care what the scale did in one week looking back on things like 10 years from now you're not going to be like wow i'm really happy the scale moved down that one week because um i ate less you know you're you're, you're just not gonna remember that right and especially if you're gonna eat less just for a number on the scale to go down like what's gonna happen after that are you gonna gain all that weight back are you gonna quit if it doesn't go down and you eat less right so you know to this like i wouldn't even like think about the scale it's like you're putting way too much emphasis on a number that doesn't even tell the whole story and that quite frankly you don't have a lot of control over right so it so in my opinion it's like yeah it's not a good idea at all and you have to start putting more emphasis on other things and realizing what the scale is and it's just a point of data that kind of just shows you a little bit of what's going on right and it doesn't matter what happens you know in a week on the scale because it might be body fat it might be water um and you have to start focusing on things that you do have control over and that are more sustainable for you and how is that going to make you feel if the scale went down for that week, right? What's going to happen after that? What happens if you increase your calories a little bit more the next week and your, your weight goes back up? You're going to be pissed and you're going to be like, what the fuck? But again, that who cares? Because it doesn't mean that that was body fat. So you have to start placing so much emphasis on the scale. Realize it is for what it is. It's a tool. It just gives you one term of measurement that can be helpful, but it doesn't tell the whole story. This is where... Um, you know, really focusing on, uh, you know, I like, I like in this situation, like to really focus on, um, how you feel. I like to focus on, uh, performance-based goals. Like this is where it's like really fun to just focus on getting stronger, um, improving a lift, uh, trying to, uh, maybe even improve, like for example, the previous time, like getting your resting heart rate down, improving your mile time, um, making your zone two better. So like, for example, 
Um, like when I first started my zone two cardio, maybe I was doing like a two and a half on a five incline. And then a month later I was able to do like a, um, three on like a eight incline. So like I knew my heart health improved. So like doing that stuff that you have control over and that you can objectively see is increasing, um, is going to lead you to so much more better results and actually be happier than focusing so much on the number on scale because you have control over it. And you can objectively see wins. And again, it's something you have control over um, versus something like the scale where you don't have control over it and it can go up and down. And you're just so fixated on a number that literally means nothing. Like it doesn't determine anything, um, you know. So, um, again, I'm a, I'm a fan of using the scale, but for the right reasons. And in this point, it's like stressing about it is only going to make things worse and if you actually do other things that don't involve the scale and just take the number for what it is, right? Never high, never low on it, always neutral and just look at the number for what it is, then, you know, like uh, t- like n- taking away that stress and not worrying about it can actually uh, like lead to the scale going down. So um, that's what I would say to that. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Um, could it help? Yeah, of course, but why like what is that going to do for you long term it's only going to be a little bit of like dopamine before you want it again right it's almost like um it's almost like winning um a lottery ticket right like you you scratch off a an instant you win a hundred bucks so you think you're gonna win a hundred bucks every time so you buy a bunch of instants and then before you know it you're five hundred dollars in the hole right so um you gotta think more long term um versus short term um, okay. So next question, overrated or underrated magnesium supplements? You know what? I'm going to say they're underrated. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say they're underrated. Um, magnesium is probably one of the hardest minerals to get in our diet. Um, you always want to try to get whole foods first. Okay. You always want to try to get in whole food sources first because those are going to be the most uh bioavailable um sources of nutrients uh that your body can process so it's always gonna be the best for your body the always most complete sources um so i would say uh always try to get through whole foods first um you know just kind of looking at a list right here of the the top uh you know magnesium uh, sources is going to be, uh, you know, actually pumpkin seeds are number one. That's really interesting. Uh, chia seeds are great. Almonds are great. Spinach, uh, boiled spinach, um, is really good. Some nuts, uh, some oats, uh, is, is really good. Um, some whole wheat, avocados, uh, brown rice. Um, those are good magnesium, uh, sources. Um, but I think, uh, obviously, you know, talk with your doctor if, if you have any issues, uh, that could affect anything, but I think taking a magnesium supplement doesn't hurt, uh, especially, you know, with sleep and just making sure all your bases are covered and having, making sure that you're not deficient in it, um, because a lack of magnesium can lead to some issues, um, and if you can take it in a supplement form, I know there's like a 
bunch of different forms. There's like glycinate, there's like citrate, um, a lot of things. Uh, it can lead to some unwanted symptoms. Uh, so I definitely think it's underrated, to be honest with you. I think that supplement is underrated uh, because I think a lot of people struggle, you know, even myself, I should probably take a magnesium supplement. I think a lot of people struggle getting magnesium in. Um, and, you know, just some deficiency symptoms can include like a loss of appetite, some nausea, vomiting, fatigue, weakness. Um, so definitely say, I would say it's underrated. I'll be honest. I would say it's underrated and magnesium um, supplements can help uh, with with some of these uh, symptoms and all that kind of stuff. So I would honestly say a magnesium supplement's underrated. Yeah, usually I'm... You know, I don't say that about supplements, but supplementing, wow, I can't talk, supplementing, geez, with magnesium, um, I think it's underrated. Uh, Next question. Does lemon water have any extra health benefits versus regular water? Yeah, uh, it tastes better, (laughs) unless you don't like lemon. Uh, Yeah, no, there's no substantial health benefits, to my knowledge, uh, with lemon water. Um, I mean, maybe some slight gut health or digestive uh, benefits, but anything major, no, just drinking regular water is going to be perfectly fine. There's not any magical like detox that lemon water is going to, you know, create. I remember being in college and putting lemon in my water. And again, if it helps you drink more water, fucking put a lemon in it. Like if you like lemon, that's not to say don't put lemon in it. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying don't do it because you think it's going to create some magical thing. No, it's not going to. But if you like the taste of it, put a fucking lemon in it because I know it tastes good. I used to put, um, I went to college and I was really, really big into like health. Um, I used to put a lemon in my water um, and it tasted really good and helped me drink it and it tasted really fresh, especially during the summer months when it was hot. Um, So I'm a big fan of it for that. And I also used to start, I started putting, um, I can't believe I used to do this. I started putting apple cider vinegar in my water and it tasted absolutely terrible, but I forced myself to drink it and I actually got used to it. And I did that for months um, because I thought it was going to like, it's not bad for you per se, but it's not, I don't think it does exactly what they tell you to do, like improve your gut health. And I don't even remember what the fuck I was taking it for, but um yeah don't do that that tastes like dog shit but if you want to put some lemon in your water for the taste and it helps you drink more water absolutely but i don't want you to think that there's any like magical benefits to taking it because there's some there might be some benefits but they're very um nothing like too crazy if that makes sense so that's what i would say to that okay um last question this is another great one these are all great questions uh do you burn more calories at a desk if you're sitting or standing um you know i'll be honest i think i was wrong i was wrong on this one uh at the beginning for a while here um and i didn't really notice it until like i started doing it are you gonna burn more calories sitting or standing most likely most likely standing um because you're up and you might be moving around a little bit so you are going to burn a little bit more calories 
However, I don't think it's that much more. Um, I don't have any like research to back this up. Just kind of going off like anecdotal evidence and from what I've heard from my clients and from what I've seen. Uh, I don't think it's that much more. And two, like I've noticed, especially if you if you're like somebody like me, um, who has like not so good um, posture, uh, it can really standing up can lead to a little bit of lower back pain, some upper back pain, some shoulder pain, um, especially if you don't have good posture and you don't have really uh, strong core muscles. Uh, so it it might not be worth standing, um, especially if you're like in a hyper extended position where your lower back is extended um, or even like rounded too for a while. Um, but especially hyperextended and you're constantly like compressing your spine um, or even like your knees, if you're locking out your knees, um, just that constant pressure throughout the whole day. I don't necessarily know if it's like worth standing for that long. Um, and you, when I say that, I mean like, I don't think you burn that many more calories for that. Now, is a standing desk, is there benefits to it? Absolutely. In my opinion, what I think you should do is alternate like sit and stand like don't just sit all day don't just stand all day kind of alternate um and also like if if you want to like move, get a little more movement but you work at a desk all day like getting something like a walking pad and i'm being very hypocritical here because i have been telling a lot of my clients for a while that i'm going to get a walking pad um and they've even sent me links to that to the, their favorite ones and i still haven't got one um but i think it's something really really good that can help you move more throughout the day and it fits underneath your desk and you can uh, walk for a little bit um, and it's very portable. Like you can set it in the side of the room and burn some extra calories throughout the day. Uh, you know, I think they even make like bikes now, like little like under desk bikes. So there's definitely some ways to uh, add some more movement in, but in terms of sat sitting versus standing, I don't think it's anything substantial. Um, you probably are going to burn more calories standing, but I think doing a combination of both throughout your day would be your best bet. I think standing, um, I think a combo of standing and sitting is better than standing alone in general and or sitting alone in general. Um, then that's what I have to say to that. All right. So that was the Q&A, another one. Let me know if you like this, guys, because these are some really great questions and I'm really, really enjoying uh, recording this and answering these. So you guys are amazing. Uh, let me know if you enjoyed uh, this Q&A and we'll keep it coming. Uh, any questions, please let me know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys mean uh, so much to me, um, all your support. And um, if you like this episode, please leave a five-star rating review. Share it with somebody that you think it might help. Uh, it really helps the podcast and, and helps me reach more people, which is always nice. Um, that's basically it. Anything you need, let me know and we'll talk to we'll talk soon. Jeez, if I can't talk. Until next time, peace.